It is so easy to lose sight of what matters to God. We can so easily embrace the things of our faith that are pleasing and attractive and even fun, like worship and fellowship and volunteering. But James, the author of the book that has his name, tells us what pure and genuine religion is. Caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt us is the hard part. It would be safe to say that one of the clearest signs that we have been corrupted by the world is our refusal to care for the orphans and the widows. Cross Church is devoted to the work of caring for orphans and widows because this is what it means to pastor our church responsibly. We help Christians fulfill their duty to God by helping them fulfill their duty to the helpless. Well, folks, we uh, for eight days have been focused on making a difference around the world. And last uh, Sunday, you may remember, I asked you if you were a sheep or a goat. And... Uh, some, some felt like after looking at those pictures, you didn't want to identify with either one of them. The fact is, is that Jesus declares that you are either a sheep or a goat. And how do we know if you are a sheep? Well, first of all, understand this. Uh, Jesus tells us in Matthew 25 that the sheep will, are the ones that will go into eternal reward, will spend eternity with him. And the goats are those who will spend eternity in, uh, in, in punishment. And I, this, this message disturbs, it's very disturbing actually, uh, because it, it makes us face our eternity. It makes us think about how we're living and what we're doing or what we're not doing. And this is really the whole point of a weekend like this. It's to stir you up and to make you think about what really matters in this life. And I'm going to tell you, in the world that we're living in right now, it's very easy to get caught up in things that are temporal. And temporal, in case you don't know what that means, are things that are temporary. It, it, it doesn't last forever. So what we want to do is we want to think of what do we need to do in order to have a great eternity? It's those things that are eternal that matter the most. In fact, it's the only thing that matters. What's temporary will pass away. Now, the reason that so many of us are, are, uh, are goats, or so many are goats, is because they got caught up in the things that don't matter in this life. They've, they got caught up in the things that, that are all about you. It's self-centeredness. But Jesus says that those who are sheep are people who care for his brothers and sisters. Now, who are the brothers and sisters of Christ? It's all those who do the will of the Father, all those who do the will of God. What does it mean to care for God's people, God's, Jesus' brothers and sisters? It means that you're, you're 
clothing the naked, you're giving food to the hungry, you are uh, caring for the sick, you're visiting those who are imprisoned. You're going out of your way to take care of the least, the distressed, the broken, the hurting, the ones that people are avoiding or ignoring. Jesus says, when you took care of these people, the least of my brothers, the poorest of my brothers, the most distressed of my brothers, Jesus says, you were actually taking care of me. So we ask the question again today, are you a sheep or are you a goat? And if you are caring for the brothers and sisters of Jesus, all those who put their faith in Christ, then Jesus declares that you are a sheep. But, but I need to say something here, very important. You are not a Christian because you care for your Christian brothers and sisters. No, you, you care for your Christian brothers and sisters because you are a Christian. In other words, the thing that, that saves you for eternity, the thing that guarantees that you're going to heaven is not that you are feeding hungry people or clothing naked people or caring for sick or imprisoned people. No. The thing that, that saves you for eternity is that you put your faith in Jesus. And after you've put your faith in Jesus, the evidence that you've done that is that you naturally start caring for the brothers and sisters in Christ. So this morning, we are, we are completing this eight days of intensive focus on the command of Christ. And here's what Jesus said just before he left this earth. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go. Go and make disciples of all the nations. This is what we're doing. We are, in, we are going around the world and teaching people about Jesus Christ. We're teaching people how to follow Christ. What does it mean to be a Christian? We call this missions work. That's why you'll, you see the, the, the slide up there. It says missions. Missions is simply going around the world, completing the mission that Jesus gave us to do. As sheep, as Christians, as God's sheep, we care for our brothers and sisters who live in Burundi. God gave Cross Church an assignment, and the assignment was to care for our brothers and sisters in Burundi. Now, last, last, this past Friday and last night, Saturday, we raised a lot of money. And so I wanted to share that with you really quickly. We raised not 93000 but 100000 This This is from the service this morning. This is what happened after the first service. It's absolutely amazing. We had 147 children that we needed to sponsor, and we've got 57 left. It's absolutely thrilling that we've been able to do this. This, by the way, is a record number. We've never sponsored so many children on one weekend. So, by the way, if you want to sponsor children, there's still some left. Just come to the table after the service. Sean and Dennis will be waiting there, and you get a chance to ring the bell. But more importantly, you get to take home the picture of the child that you are going to love and pray for and care for. This is my responsibility as your pastor. It's not just to, to, to preach truth to you, but to actually help you do 
what Jesus tells you to do. We don't need any more people whose heads are full of knowledge. What we need is people to get busy doing what Jesus called us to do. The problem with so many Christians in North America is our heads are chock full of information and we know Greek and we know Hebrew, we know the Bible, we've got 10 different versions of the Bible and we've, got, we've got read all the books and listened to all the videos and the podcasts and the sermons on YouTube. We, we know the truth, we know we've got information. But the problem is we're not doing what we need to do. And this is why at Cross Church, we don't just teach you, but we call you to action. We call you to do what Jesus has called us to do. Now, uh, I gotta tell you, it's, it's exciting because Cross Church has got actually two villages of hope in Burundi. It began, uh, first of all, in Buiza. Dennis Weeb, who is an elder of this church, uh, he started, I think, back in 2012, is that right? 2010. Uh, you've been here that long? Wow, it seems like forever. Uh, <laughs> it started just a handful of kids. And since he's been in this church, this church has just embraced the vision. And God has made it a big thing now that we've got 400 children that we're caring for. It's absolutely mind-boggling. Now, not only do we have these 400 children that we're caring for, but we also have... 47 churches, 47 cross churches in Burundi. I'm going to show you some pictures of them in, in a little while. But understand this, that we are called to care for these orphans, but even beyond that, we're called to, to plant churches. And why is that important? I'll tell you why. Because after those kids have gone through that program, after they have been, have been taught, fed, uh, and, and set on a good course for life and get them into an education and uh, uh, provide for their every need, what's next? Who takes care of them after they're done at the Village of Hope? Well, folks, that's where the church kicks in. That's where the church starts doing what it does best, and that is caring for people and helping people, instructing people, and showing people how to live the life that Jesus has called. I have a, something exciting to share with you, uh, because what we, what we shared on Friday and Saturday night is that we need to raise enough money so that we can build some classrooms. Some of you know that our very first project, our very first missions project, was building a classroom for... Uh, for the school at Kitwe in Zambia. That's, that's the very first village of hope we were ever connected with. Well, it began with raising, we wanted to raise 8,000 and God helped us raise 12,000. And I'm telling you, after that, we were just hooked and we couldn't get enough of this. So we've been doing this every year since then. But let me just tell you this. Um, the people in Burundi were so confident that God was gonna meet their need They've been praying and fasting while we've been banqueting here. They've been praying and fasting for this weekend, praying that God would bring good things out of it. And in faith, they started building the classroom. I didn't know this. I just found this out last night. They started building the classroom, and uh, here's a picture of it. They're putting in the foundation right now. So this, the money that we raised this weekend, they, in faith, they started building this, these classrooms. Now, can I just say this? Yeah, we, let's, you can clap for that for sure. We, uh, we've, got, we've got classrooms for up to grade two. 
And the school that we are, we are constructing will go up to grade 13. But what they do is they build them uh, in three classroom blocks. And so three classrooms cost $35,000. And so in faith, these people know that Cross Church always comes through and God always comes through. By faith, they started building the next three classrooms. So I just wanted to share this with you. It's hot off the press. I didn't even have this to share with you yesterday. So folks, this is what your money is going towards. It's giving kids an education. And as someone said yesterday, education is the great equalizer. When kids are educated, they have a hope of 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 success in this life, but more than that, uh, they have an opportunity to better their lives and to take care of themselves. This, folks, really is part of the mission of the church. And it's, 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 a, it's an example of how God is glorified. Now, I know some people uh, might not have been, uh, maybe a little bit shocked at my message last week, but I got a really nice uh, text from Deb Barrett. And she says to me on Tuesday, she says, very exciting sermon you gave us on Sunday, by the way. Absolutely loved it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I said, thanks, Deb. I've had a lot of really good feedback. Um, and, and then I shared with her that not everybody was happy with it. And then I said, when you're unconverted, the gospel infuriates and enrages. But sometimes when you're converted, it can still make you angry and, 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 and cause you to feel upset. Why is that? Because the, the gospel holds up a mirror to us and shows us where we need to change and how we need to change. So Deb's response to that is, you were preaching a living, breathing faith, which is so exciting. And I said, what a fantastic way to describe gospel preaching. May I use that? And she said, of course. So that's why I'm sharing it with you this morning. What we're talking about, folks, is not just religious ritual here. We're not just, we're not just sort of carrying out uh, the religious routines that we go through. We're talking about a living, breathing, vibrant faith. It's alive, it's real, it's tangible, it changes our lives, it changes people's lives. In fact, this is the response. When we asked the question on Friday and Saturday, we asked everybody to have a discussion at their table. And, and the question is, is how does sponsorship change lives? And we were thrilled that, that people thought, not just to the kids and how their lives are changed, but how our lives are changed when we begin to sponsor and care for children. And so folks, understand that. When you come to church, it's, yes, we're worshiping God, but we're going even beyond just singing songs. And, and this is a big mistake that so many people make. They think that when it comes to worship, it's all about singing songs. If you, if you want to know the, the, the truth of it, singing songs is only maybe 10% maybe of what worship is. 90% of what worship is, is that we are active, obeying Jesus and doing his will. So folks, listen, when you are sponsoring a child, what you're doing is you are worshiping God. Does this make sense? Every time you obey Jesus, you are worshiping God. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. And what does he tell us to do? He tells us to take care of the poor, to feed the hungry, clothe the naked, visit those who are sick, visit those who are in prison, give a water, give a glass of water in Jesus' name. This is worship. What we're doing is we're saying, God, 
We are worshiping you, and the proof that we're worshiping you is that we believe what you're saying and we are doing what you tell us to do. A worship that is just singing, anybody can sing. In fact, I know a lot of people that love to sing gospel songs, but they're not converted. They wouldn't call themselves Christians. I know people, when they hear Amazing Grace, they start to break down, they sob, they cry. Oh, it's such beautiful words. And my question is, are you converted? Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? Oh, no. But I just love this song. Real worship consists of obedience and doing what Jesus tells us to do. What does Jesus tell us to do? He tells us to care for the broken, the hurting, the needy. Actually, James, in the book of James, he gives us another version of that truth. And here's what James says in, in chapter one, verse 27. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. I want you to see something here. It's as pure and genuine sincere religion in the sight of God. Hey, listen, at the end of the day, you don't care what I think good religion is. And I don't care what you think good religion is. What matters to me is what does God say good religion is. And good religion, according to God, is that we care for orphans and widows in their distress. Now, I want you to see something. This is not a command. Because some people look at this and think, this is a command, I have to obey this command. No, this is not a command. This is a description. This describes somebody who has put their faith in Jesus Christ. This describes what Christians do. Religion... It's a word that most people don't understand. When I talk about religion, the first thing that comes to your mind is Christians, Buddhists, Muslims, Hindus. No, those are, those are ideas about gods. But when we talk about religion, what we're talking about is we're talking about an outward display of something that is inwardly true in us. This is what religion is. It's an outward display of something that's true in us. So, in other words, I know what you believe based on what you do, based on what comes out of your mouth. Your actions, what you do, how you live, tells me what your religion is. And if what you do is just take care of yourself, Spend money on yourself, talk about yourself, put yourself first, and I know what your religion is. Your religion is you. you you've, you've, put, you've put all of your faith in yourself, and you've put all of your love in yourself. Now, if you're a Christian, again, Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. You'll do what I want you to do. But if your religion is yourself, you're going to do what you want to do. And this is why what I preach is so offensive. This is why it makes people angry. Because I'm telling you, I'm holding up a mirror to you, and I'm showing you what the reality is. Now, what James is saying here is that 
this pure and this genuine religion in the sight of God is really putting on display the gospel. We're letting the world see. We're letting everybody see what we believe. We are showing everybody the good news about Jesus Christ and how he can transform a country. Yesterday, I shared with you what Janet and Denny and I did in November and December in Burundi. And one of the things is I taught pastors how to have great marriages. And, and, and fundamental to my teaching is that men and women are equal. And all the ladies said? Amen. <laughs> well, the ladies over here agree. The ladies over there are not, not sure. <laughs> men and women are equal before God. Does everybody get that? This is a revolutionary idea in Africa because men are here and women are here. Oh, they would say, oh, yeah, of course we're equal. But the fact is, is that women are there to serve the men and nuts as far as it goes. I had a lady at the end of the conference. If you were here uh, yesterday, you heard me say this. But at the end of the conference, she stood up and said, I've been a Christian for about 20 years. This is the first time I ever heard that all the problems in the home are not the woman's fault. That's what she said. She said, Pastor Alan, thank you. And you need to bring glory. We want to know who this woman is that you're married to. We believe that the gospel, when it is preached, the teachings of Jesus, when they are communicated to people, changes churches, it changes, therefore, families, it changes marriages, it changes communities, and it changes the country. When we teach that men, that, that men and women are equal, that women are as valuable to God as men are, this is revolutionary. And the gospel is revolutionary. And guess what? It makes people mad. I could see some, some pastors were sitting there thinking, I don't know if I agree with all this. Thankfully, I'm not just giving you my opinion. And I wasn't giving them my opinion. I was sharing them with them what the Bible says. This is the authority on which I speak to you this morning. I'm not standing up here giving you my opinion. I'm telling you what the Bible says. So don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> don't get angry at me. What you need to do is look at what does the Bible require of us. And so this is what true religion is in the sight of God. It means that we care for orphans and widows in their distress. What we're doing as Christians is we are setting on display the good news that Jesus changes people's lives, that Jesus makes people's lives better, that Jesus improves the plight of women, that Jesus improves marriages, that Jesus improves countries, that Jesus improves the life of an orphan, that Jesus improves the life of a widow. That's the gospel. That's the good news. And this is what you and I are called to, to this kind of religion, this kind of Christianity that says we're obeying Jesus no matter what. James is saying what you've got to be is you've got to be involved with and care about the people who are distressed, the people who are broken, the people that nobody wants. Now, here's what you've got to understand. What James is saying here is pretty revolutionary. It's not revolutionary to us because we have enjoyed, we don't know it, many of us don't even understand this, but we have enjoyed hundreds of years of instruction, of teaching, 
that makes us understand the value of a widow and an orphan. But when James was writing these words, I want you to know a, a widow, an orphan, these, these were the scum, this is scum of the earth. If there was a widow or an orphan, people would look on and they would say, well, there's a reason why this child is an orphan. There's a reason why this woman is a widow. It's because there's sin in their life or because they've made, made bad life choices or it's because it's God's judgment on them or they must have done something to deserve this terrible state that they're in. It's hard for us to, to believe that, but that's what people believed. James is saying, look, if you're going to have a real Christianity, a real, a real, true, genuine religion that pleases God, then you have got to identify with the broken, the hurting, and the needy. Revolutionary. It changes everything. Because now our hearts are set not on ourselves. Our hearts are set on the ones whom God is concerned about. He's concerned about the broken, the hurting, and the needy. I had a guy that used to attend our church. Like, I make people mad when I preach. I'm just telling you that. Some of you, maybe you're mad at me right now. I don't know. But I had a guy that came to this church, and he claimed to be a Christian. And I say claimed to be a Christian, and you'll see why in a sec. He was disgusted. And that's not too strong a word. He was disgusted by our love for the broken and the hurting in Africa. He couldn't understand why we were so committed to the poorest of the poor in Africa. You know what he said? These pagans don't deserve our love. They deserve to live in poverty. And I said, well, how could you say that? He said, well, it's their sin. They're pagan, they're wicked people. If they die of AIDS, let the nation suffer the consequences of their sin. This is what he said. He's one of the people who hated what I preached. Folks, I'm going to tell you something today. <laughs> if God let all of us suffer the consequences of our sin, there's not one of us here today that would escape unharmed. Would you say amen to that today? We celebrate here the mercy and the compassion of a loving God. And Jesus, you know what Jesus said? Jesus said, I have come to seek and to save the lost. That's why Jesus came to this earth. He didn't come for righteous people. He said that. That's what Jesus said. I didn't come, I didn't come, I came for the sick. I didn't come for people who are righteous and have it all together and think they don't need me. I came for people who know they need me. Do you know that you need Jesus today? There's two of us, Ryan, just you and me. Ryan and I need God. <laughs> Let's go, buddy. <laughs> How many notes say you need, you need Jesus? You, need, you, know, you understand you need God's love and compassion, his mercy, his grace. Do you understand that today? Yeah. You see, if you don't understand your need of God's grace, it's very unlikely that you're going to be reaching out to others who need God's grace. You'll be like this judgmental hypocrite who used to attend our church. He doesn't understand because he doesn't see his own capacity for sin. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest.
Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believeth in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Folks, you want to know the truth? We all deserve to perish. This is what, this is what God warned Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. When you, if you disobey, if you sin against God, you will surely die. But the love of a merciful, compassionate God sent his own son to give us a way out. Folks, the pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means that we are caring for the orphans, the widows, the distressed, the broken, the addict, the, those who are imprisoned, those who have sinned. Those are the people that we care for. Those are the ones that we love. And Jesus goes, or James goes on to say this. He says, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their, in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. It's interesting that he would put those two things together. In case you think they're disconnected and they don't belong together, I'm telling you, they belong together. What does that mean? Well, I'll tell you, being uncorrupted by the world means that you embrace the things that matter to God. God cares about broken people and lost people. It's why Jesus came to this earth. But those who are corrupted by this world don't care about the things of God. And I'm going to tell you right now, in case you don't know it, uh, the world is just a way of, of talking about the systems, the beliefs, the philosophies, the pursuits of this, of this world that doesn't love God. This world tells you that you, uh, you need a new car and you, you need to have new clothes and you need to get those new shoes and you, you need to get new furniture, you need to get that new house, that new boat, those new games, that new gaming system, the new gadgets, the new technology. You need to go to restaurants, you need to go on vacation, you need to be entertained. You need to take care of you because you deserve it. This is the antithesis to what the scripture teaches. The world says it's you, 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 you. Till you start believing the world and you start saying, me, 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 me. The way that you are going to refuse to let the world corrupt you is by understanding that this life is not about you. In fact, that is a core teaching of the Christian life. Jesus says, if anyone wants to come after me, you must what? Deny yourself... Or die to yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Now you think, man, that doesn't sound like fun, but here's the thing. You don't understand this until you try it. Those who die to themselves, those who stop living for self, those who refuse to say, me, 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 those who put Jesus first, those who follow Christ are the ones who find peace. They're the ones who find true joy. I've been pastor since 1983, and I've watched as people have come to the realization that real peace and real joy comes from obeying Christ and doing it his way. And I've watched others who've dabbled, they've tried it, and they've walked away, and I've watched them come to ruin. If you want to know 
how to have the peace and the joy, the happiness, the contentment that Christ talks about, I'm going to tell you this secret. Don't be corrupted by this world because this world is going to tell you it's all about you. You deserve a break today. You deserve a new car. You deserve new boots. You deserve a vacation in Hawaii. Well, I believe that, but... I had a couple tell me not that long ago they were spending $1,000 a month in restaurants. It's all about me, 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 me. Hey, I can give you 100 reasons not to give, 100 reasons not to sponsor a child. I gotta save my money for my retirement, I gotta get out of debt, I gotta, I gotta pay off my mortgage, I gotta put my kids through university. How will I pursue my hobbies? How will I go shopping? How will I go on vacation? How will I go to Vegas? Well, not me. <laughs> how, will I, how will I buy my lottery tickets? How will I buy my Mac? How will I buy my iPad, my iPhone, my Galaxy Note 10? How will I buy my new gaming units? Hey, this is, this is a real website. It's called thisiswhyimbroke.com. And if you Google it, you will find gaming equipment that you never knew existed. And, the, and that's why it's called This Is Why I'm Broke. You could literally drop $10,000 like that if you're a gamer. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying don't game. What I'm telling you is it's not about you. Last night I found out about a couple that understood that if they were going to sponsor somebody, they were going to have to drop some of their cable programming. And so that's what happened. The husband said to the wife, we can sponsor a child, but you're going to have to give up TLC. And you know what she did? And she sponsored a child yesterday. You know, we think $41 a month, well, that's such a huge amount of money. Folks, I'm telling you, if you go to Tim Hortons every day to get a medium coffee, it's way more than 40 bucks. But you see, if it's all about you, then of course you can't give. If it's all about you, of course you can't sponsor a child. There's no way that you could sponsor a child if it's all about you. You can't give it, you, you wouldn't be able to give anything. I mean, I mean, after all, you do have to have your iPad and your, and your computer and and a big iPad and a small iPad and a big phone and a little phone and you have to have your gaming unit. Who can live without that? Go to Africa, you'll find out. They have nothing. Absolutely nothing. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress. Jesus says you cannot love but most people don't know what mammon is, so the translators translate it money. But actually, it's mammon. And you want to know what mammon is? Mammon is a Syrian god or deity. It's a god of riches. Jesus is saying, you are literally trading the living God in for a false god, a god of riches. Jesus says, you can't love both. You're going to hate one and love the other. And this is why I find the TV preachers, so many of them, I know there's some good ones out there, but so many uh, really uh, make me want to vomit. 
And I wasn't going to mention names, so I got to mention this name. The TV evangelist called Kenneth Copeland. You can Google this yourself. His net worth, are you ready for this? $760 million. Foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. It's beyond God and money. Actually, what it really says, you can't live, love God and mammon. And he says he's well on his way to becoming a billionaire. And he proclaims that with great excitement and great glee. This, a preacher of the gospel? This, a man who claims to represent Jesus Christ who said the Son of Man, disgusting. It's wicked and vile. These TV preachers tell you you can worship God and you can worship mammon. At Cross Church, we don't give you that option. At Cross Church, you can only worship God, the living God, God Almighty who sent his son, Jesus Christ, and calls you to lay down your life and die. Doesn't it sound fun here? To lay down your life for Jesus Christ. But this, my friends, is the religion that in the sight of God is acceptable. You can't love God and mammon. As long as I'm the pastor of Cross Church, you need to know two things. I will forever be leading the charge and taking care of orphans and widows and all people in distress. That's what's going to happen here. The second thing that you need to know is that I will continue to teach you to refuse to be corrupted by this world. I'm going to teach you how to surrender your life to Christ and put Christ first at all times. That's what you can count on here. And sometimes it might hurt your feelings, it might annoy you, it might offend you, it might make you angry, it might put you off. But folks, understand this. It's never with an intention to hurt you, but it's with the intention of helping you follow Christ. Cross Church has 47 churches right now, and we are about to plant the 48th in March. It opens in, in March. They're just going to be a, a group of people gathering together, but they have called on us and asked us if we could help raise the funds to build a new church. This is one of our churches there. This is a Mutambara. And here's another one. This is Cross Church Burundi. This is, where is this one? In Kaze Betel, I can't even say it. But anyway, it's one of them. There's, there's all kinds of, there's 47 of them, the 48th is to come. Young, yesterday I mentioned it at the, at the banquet. Before the banquet, I was talking to Matthew Hartree's grandmother, and she was asking about Cross Church Burundi, and I was telling her that we're about to plant a new church. And little Matthew Hartree's sitting there and listening to every single word I'm saying. I said, yeah, we're, we need to plant that church, and uh, we need to raise the money to, to, to build it. And I, she asked how much. I said 20,000 U.S. And without, without even a, a, a second thought, the, he had 20 bucks. He gave it to me right away. He says, here, this is for the new church. And I said, Matthew, you, do you realize you've just kicked off the, the building program for this church in, in Marami, 11 years old? 
And uh, I said in the first service this morning that, that this is what happened and that God was using this young uh, 11-year-old. But you know what he came to me after the service this morning and he said, Pastor Alan, I didn't give you $20. God gave you $20 and he used me to do it. Does that blow you away? How does that kid know that at 11 years of age? God gave you the $20. This is what Cross Church does. Why? Because when the church is there, we continue on the work of VOH. When the church is there, we teach people how to live like Jesus. We teach husbands and wives how to love each other, how to treat each other with respect and with dignity, and literally changing a nation. It's not just the churches we're taking care of. We're taking care of orphans. This little girl, her name is Nusra. Nusra is a little girl that my niece and nephew, Cecilia and Michael, were, were um, sponsoring. And we got word that she died. She died uh, of malaria. She was bitten by a, mosquito, by a malaria-laden mosquito, and she died of that. Now, Cecilia, here's the power of sponsorship. Cecilia and Michael were so upset by this and were so concerned that little Nusra would not just, just go into oblivion and everybody would forget her. They said, no, we need to do something in Nusra's honor, in her memory. And so Cecilia and Michael wrote us a check for $1,000 to make sure all the children, all 400 children in our villages would get their very own mosquito net so they could sleep at night unmolested by mosquitoes carrying malaria. Folks, this is what the church does. This is what people do when they are under the influence of Jesus Christ. They do whatever it takes to take care of the orphans and the widows. And in our villages, you know what we're doing? Well, for one thing is we're protecting children against malaria. But the next thing we're doing is we're providing a structure, an infrastructure to make sure that these children are properly cared for. It's a big job. It's a huge job. And beyond that, we're providing an infrastructure and uh, an organization where all these children can be sponsored. And that's why we have the table set up. This is what, this is what your donations go towards. And we provide food for these kids. And we provide clothing for these kids. Do you know that it costs money to go to school in Burundi? doesn't cost money to go to school here, and all the kids hate going to school. But in Burundi, they're dying to go to school because they know it is a privilege. And so we provide them with their school tuition. We, and you can't go to school unless you have a uniform. Can you believe that? And so we provide them with a uniform and with the books that they need. We give them medical attention. We give them love. We give them a connection to somebody here in Canada who will love them and write to them. And by the way, if you want to send a picture of yourself to your kids, contact our office. We'll make sure that your child has a picture of you. And then we'll take a picture of that child holding your picture. And we'll send that picture. Well, wherever, where am I now? But anyways, you get the point. At Christmas time, our ladies have a banquet. Mark your calendars, ladies, December 2020. 
The ladies of our church get together for a Christmas get-together, and they raise money to, to give scholarships to our graduates so they can go on to technical school or to university. That's what we're doing for the widows in Burundi. And widows, you say, are we doing anything for widows? Well, I'm glad you asked this question. This is Bonito. He was the elder of one of our in one of our churches in Burundi. And uh, in case you don't know what an elder is, he's a leader in the church. He's not the pastor, but he, he works with the pastor giving leadership. Well, he was going about doing what elders do. He was vi doing visitation. He was visiting in the home of one of the parishioners. And while he was there, he just dropped dead. We think of a massive uh, heart attack. And he left behind a wife and seven children. This happened while we were there. And Delson said, Alan, can you, Pastor Alan, can you come and, and can you uh, preach the gospel at his funeral? I said, of course, I'd be honored to do that. I had no idea. I'd never been to a Burundian funeral before. And I can tell you it's nothing like here. They don't meet in a building. They just meet around the grave. And so that's exactly what happened. And, and they got a, a portable sound system. And these young men from the church were singing hymns. You'll notice that the songbook they're holding has got the cross church logo on it, which I thought was so cool because it really represents who we are and what we're doing. We're caring for these people at every level. And so Benito, in his little casket, very, very simple, decorated with pink ribbons that you'd find on a present. <laughs> Everybody just gathered around. I was standing right about here, and the wife, his, his widow, and his seven kids were there, and the girls were sobbing. Little boy, the, the men are taught not to cry, so there's no men crying except me. I was the only one. I was imagining, what if, it, what if it were me? And I had, the, I had the privilege of sharing the gospel and reminding everybody there that this is not the end of Benito. They're laying his body in the ground, but right now he's in the presence of Almighty God. He's with the Jesus whom he served. They lowered him in. And all the while singing songs of praise to God. It's one of the most moving things I've ever experienced in my life. And then they bricked the grave over, sealed it. And I knew in that moment that I was there for a reason. God in his mercy and kindness to this widow made sure that Pastor Allen from Canada was there. We had brought with us uh, quite a large amount of money to do the work of the Village of Hope and Cross Church Burundi and other projects. But God spoke to me so clearly, we need to make sure that we provide for this poor widow. And so I got this picture from Delson. I, I didn't want to be the one that gave him the money because I don't, I don't want to get involved. I want, I want them to understand they take care of each other. And so the money was discreetly given to the pastor of the church. And here's a picture of the pastor of the church giving the widow the equivalent 
of three months' salary. Huge, it's made a huge difference. And all of it's possible because first of all, we're told to take care of the orphan and the widow. But secondly, because the people of Cross Church understand that this is what it means to be a Christian. We take care of our own. We take care of the brothers and sisters of Jesus. Whatever you've done to the least of these, my brothers and my sisters, you've done it unto me. This is what it means to be a Christian. Living in complete and utter obedience to Jesus Christ. Would you stand with me, please? Father, we want to say thank you this morning. First of all, that you called us. You called us out of this world, this world of selfishness, of extreme self-centeredness, You've called us, oh God, to come and lay down our lives for you. Many of us here today have discovered the peace and the joy that comes from surrendering to Christ. There's a number here today who have found profound happiness and contentment in following Christ. It doesn't make sense to the natural mind. The natural mind tells us we've got to take care of ourselves. But the mind that's been transformed by God understands that true happiness comes from dying to self and obeying Jesus. So God, we pray that you would give us the grace and the strength to fulfill the work that you've called us to do to care for the orphan and to care for the widow, to care for those who are broken in distress, facing all manner of addictions, all manner of sorrow and sadness and brokenness. May we bring hope to those who are facing great hopelessness. We thank you for the privilege and we thank you for the honor of being able to do your will. And now, God, we pray for these last number of kids that need to be sponsored. We pray, God, that everyone would have somebody here in Canada that would love them and pray for them and support them. And we pray that in Jesus' name. And everyone said it with me? Amen. Amen. Tell the person beside you, go take care of the widows and the orphans.